Good morning. My name is Angel Rutledge, and I'm a member of the Plaza Midwood Community Group. And uh, this morning's reading is from Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Day and night, I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you, even from the distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mizar. I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me, and through each night I sing his songs praying to God who gives me life. Oh God, my rock, I cry. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones. They scoff. Where is this God of yours? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again my Savior, and my God. Psalm 43. Declare me innocent, O God. Defend me against these unjust, ungodly people. Rescue me from these unjust liars. For you are God, my only safe haven. Why have you tossed me aside? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Send out your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live. There I will go to the altar of God, to God, the source of all my joy. I will praise you with my harp. Oh, God, my God. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again my Savior, and my God. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Good morning, Christ Central. My name is Josh Kim. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Central Church. We're glad you're here with us this morning as we continue our sermon series in Psalms uh, titled Summer of Psalms, where we look at different psalms to guide us and teach us how to worship together, how to go through life together. And today we are journeying through Psalm 42 and 43. Psalm 42 and 43. One of our family's favorite movie is uh, Pixar's Inside Out. Uh, The reason why we like this movie is it talks about emotions um, and talk about what it means to have those emotions. It's a movie about an 11-year-old girl named Riley who moves from across the country from Minnesota to San Francisco with her parents, and she experiences a transformation in her mind 
and in who she is as a person as she tries to adjust the new life that she's going through in San Francisco and face challenges growing up. The viewers are invited to follow Riley's five emotions, mainly joy, sadness, anger, fear, disgust, and we see her growing up as she identifies these feelings and emotions in her life. And what the movie is trying to stress is not only joy and happiness is what happens in life, but there is sadness and the emotions and feelings of sadness will come and you need to be able to identify it and properly deal with it as you face the challenges that you have in life today. And I believe this is a wisdom not only the movie is teaching us, but what we find in Psalm 42 and 43 as well, a pair of psalms that could be sung together. Psalm 42 is in a category of psalm that is called a lament psalm. It's a psalm that teaches us how to grieve properly or to be in sorrow, to cry out to the Lord in this season. The second psalm, Psalm 43, is a psalm of confidence. A psalm that teaches us to place our faith and trust, our confidence in our God in the midst of the challenges that you and I go through. So together, they teach us how to have not only grief and sorrow, but also grief and hope. And I think the danger that is outlined in the movie Inside Out is to ignore our processes and ignore our grief and sorrow as we go through life. And this psalm also warns us not always you're going to have jolly and happy times in your life, but you're going to face challenges of grief and sorrow in your life. Many of us are in the season of sorrow and grief. And for some of us that may not be in that, as you know, throughout life that you and I both experience, perhaps you may have joyous moments, but they only last a couple years at most. And most of the time that you and I are in the season of grief and sorrow. So the reality is that in the journey of life that you and I live in, we have to learn what it means to lament properly, what it means to grieve well in the life that God has called us to live. And let me also just add this for us. Many of us watch the news this week, and these past couple years have been very difficult, especially for church like ours. With police shootings that happen and the black and brown bodies on the streets, quite often our people our congregation, our pastors have been asked to lead our people in the season of lament. And there's some need for that, for sure, that we need to lead into people in different congregations in the time of lament. But as one of our pastors once said, why do you have to learn how to lament from us? Why of all of a sudden now that you want to learn to grieve from us? Because regardless of race or ethnicity, we all should know how to lament, right? And I may add, as Christians, period, no matter who you are, you should know what it means to lament. If you say you are people of God's word, God's uh, word of the Lord, if you say you are people that follow and submit to the scripture, you and I should be at the forefront leading people in lament, leading people in grief, in sorrow, being able to cry and identify with people that are suffering, not say, well, lead us because we don't know how to. You do know how to. Scripture teaches us how to. 
Peter Schizero, the author of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, author of a book study our Pastor Mari is leading, once said, ignoring our emotions is turning our back on reality. Listening to our emotions ushers us into the reality, and reality is where we meet God. Emotions are language of our soul. They are the cry that gives the heart a voice. So church, that's what we're going to do this morning. I invite you as we follow with the Psalm 42 and 43. Some of your psalms in the introduction section, it says masculine. Basically, it means to instruct. This psalm is instruction for us how to grieve well, how to properly lament in our struggles with our emotions, our pains, and our doubts. Christ Central Church, do you believe God has a word for us in our circumstances this morning? You know, many of us are grieving, are we not? We have many reasons for us to grieve these days. Watch the news this past week even. There's another police shooting that happens, let alone pandemic and the loss of life that we all experience in. We recently lost our senior pastor, founding pastor. Even some changes that many of us face that may not necessarily be a bad thing, but it does require us to grieve and to lament. It is a loss indeed for us. And our God does not leave us in these moments alone. So I invite you to look at the journey of the psalm writers in 42 and 43 that goes from grief and sorrow to grief and hope. And as we do that, we'll see three stages that are presented to us with tears, questions, and confidence. The first stage that we find is the tears of grief and hope that we find in verses 1 through 6. Our music director, Mr. G, talked about the songs that, uh, that we want to pass down to our generations. Um, and maybe this is God's sovereign grace. I'm going to talk about the songs of the old that kind of talk about our emotions. Because often songs do an excellent job of portraying our emotions at the time. These songs are old, mind you, by the way. So if you want to Google them, you can. But oftentimes the songs portray some of our heart's emotions well. The first song that introduces the stage of tears and grief is none other than Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton. This Grammy Award-winning song captures the tearful hearts of a father who tragically lost his young son due to an accident. And although there's no word in the song that says tear in its lyrics, it captures the heart of the tear of a broken heart. The song goes something like this. I'm not going to sing for you as much as I want to. I don't want you to not listen to the sermon or walk away from the Lord. Uh, the song <laughs> lyrics say, would you know my name? Again, I'm not this is not a theological song, right? Let's not parse this out. This, this song, emotions as it is, right? Would you know my name if I saw you in heaven? Would it be the same if I saw you in heaven? You see... Tears often depict our deepest anguish and pain in our hearts. We often find tears at our deepest and the darkest times that you and I go through. And this psalm writer pictures for us tears in his lament as he leads us in singing this song as well. Verse 3 says, Day and night I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is God of yours? But also in verse 1, when he describes his longing as a deer that desperately longs for water, we find its pain described poetically 
and not just a quiet languish, but a strong, audible thirst or panting for water. It says, as the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. And his grief is added by what he has lost. The context of this psalm is a loss of being in communion in the worshiping place of God. And this is what it says in verse 4. My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowd of worshipers leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of great celebration. But I lost that. Now I'm in grief. I'm in sorrow because of what it once used to be. And that's where we find tears of grief, don't we? We grieve because we lost something. We grieve and pain that the memories of what it was used to be, what was once beautiful, even what was once we held on to with our hearts. So when we lose something like that, precious as life, we experience tears of grief, sorrow, and this psalm shows us it is natural for us to grieve like that. It is natural for us to long for the olden days. It's natural for us to cry out, to lament, to shed tears. It is natural for us to shed tears. And But in the midst of all that, what we find is that our tears of hope flows as we shed tears of sorrow. Church, what separates us, Christ followers, from those who do not follow Christ is that we all suffer and we all lose together. But God's promises never just end up at our losses and our sufferings and our pains. For those who follow Christ, our hope is found as we grieve, as we lament, knowing that our God is not done with us yet. I follow a blog of a friend whose daughter was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer, leukemia, at a young age. And sadly, this girl has lost her battle, and she is with the Lord currently. Her mother, a young mother, through this tumultuous journey, often wrote to supporting community to give us a glimpse of our heart as this battle raised on as supporters pray for this family. In the midst of the grief and the tears, she wrote this, and it was very powerful. I want to share this with you. And she wrote this entry after a relapse of the cancer in this long journey. And this is what she writes. There are days when I desperately want to lay down and give up. I'm scared and tired. You're nowhere to be found, and I need you more than ever. You promised to never leave or forsake me, but why do I feel like you have? I sometimes tell God. I am Ava, daughter's name, and he is me. Except his words are filled with fear that he won't be able to follow through. In fact, he paints the sky golden to show us that beauty can be found at the end of the day. He fills our bellies with the warm food from countless friends we have yet to meet to remind us that we do not go alone. He replaces Ava's tears with giddy laughter when she finally arrives home to show us that there too will be an end to this chaotic chapter. Church, I believe that song was song of tears. Tear of grief. Perhaps first and the most important lesson that we see from this psalm is to recognize that there will be suffering in our lives. There is going to be losses that you and I experience, and there is going to be longing in your heart 
wanting that things change. And our God knows that. Our God is sovereign God, amen? That means he knows it. And scripture tells us he knows it personally. He wept at the tomb of Lazarus. He himself cries out in the garden of Gethsemane and on the cross at Calvary, he cries out, why have you forsaken me? The Hebrew writer reminds us that we have a high priest who not only sympathizes with us, but knows us, knows our hurts and pains deeply, intimately. And this same God is coming back. And what he will do when he comes back in Revelation 21.4 is this, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Church, what we're reminded in this opening stage at these tears of grief will eventually turn into our tears of hope. We grieve and we suffer at what was lost, but we will long for who Christ is in the midst of it all. Just as Ava's mother reminds us, at times, God paints the sky golden to show us that beauty can be found at the end of the day, even in the valleys of shadows of death. Tears of grief and sorrow, absolutely. But he reminds us he's not done with us yet. He will shed tears of grief and give us hope in the midst of that. Church, that's the picture of God's church. Second stage is pictured not only in the tears of grief and sorrow, but the questions of grief and hope. Not only of tears, but also questions of grief and hope. Another song is a song sung by Destiny's Child. Before Beyonce, before Queen Bee, there was Destiny's Child. And their Grammy Award-winning song title, Say My Name, again, not going to sing it for you as much as I want to, attempted to, is centered on a heartbreaking song about a breakup and the question that surrounds of why this happened. The song goes something like this. Say my name, say my name. If no one is around you, say, baby, I love you. If you ain't running game. And later on, she asked, what is up with this? Tell the truth. Who you with? Right? It's talking about how can you do this to me, right? Who are you with? What's going on? Why can you do, what, what, what is happening in our relationship? A classic song, isn't it? In the midst of grief and loss comes the questions of grief and sorrow. Wondering why and how can this happen to us? Why and how can this happen? And today's psalm, a song that you are led to sing, is no exception to that. A songwriter actually leads us in asking the question himself by asking why. Verse 9 says, O God, my rock, I cry, why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones, they scoff. Where is this God of yours? Have you ever asked that? Have you ever wondered? Even why would God allow certain things to happen? Even if you believe that God is sovereign? Have you ever wondered, why is this happening to you of all people? To us? To our families? Of all times, now? And the psalm writer leads us in this honest, open-hearted questioning of what's happening. 
And before I go on, I want to point this out again, that asking questions like this is not wrong to do so. This is a part of how you and I grieve, isn't it? In fact, when we face tragedies, sufferings, that should lead us to ask why certain things happening around us. Because we wonder the situation you and I are in was not meant to be like that, right? This is not what God intended and created to be. So we should ask the questions of why is this happening to us? And none of us, or should I say only a few of us, will be able to respond to tragedies and hardships with a correct theological viewpoint all sorted out right away. And quite oftentimes when people do that, we find it very insensitive, don't we? Yes, we believe that God is in control, but what we see as the psalm writer writes, by far a greater theologian than any of the theologians out there, right? He leads us in saying, why? So when we react and cry out asking why, I believe it is being biblical in how we respond to the situation at hand. Matthew Lee Anderson, the author of End of Exploring, a book on seeking and asking questions and whys, he writes, questioning is a, a, a questioning is a form of our desire. Even while our inquiries often take an intellectual form, they come from wellspring deeper than the mind. He goes on to write, faith does not close off questioning. It reforms and orients it. It is not the bunker mentality of fundamentalism, which shuts down inquiry because it is afraid. Faith, rather, seeks understanding. And the form of its seeking is a question that he asks within the life of the practice of the church. And I believe that's what Psalm writer is teaching us too. Ask, seek the Lord. The question is asked in the midst of the psalm, a song of prayer. Church, do you also know that if we as a church don't ask these questions, our people will. Others will. As a theologian, Tim Keller, would say, the best way to preach the gospel is to address the questions of those who do not believe and address that with the gospel truth. The psalm writer does not shy away from allowing you and I to come to God with all the questions and doubts that we have in our hearts. You know what those red chairs that you see in our room is for? Yes, those are places where you go get prayers. But I invite you to, if you have questions, come, right? Put these Christ followers to the task and ask them, why? Why is this happening? And quite often, they will not be able to tell you all the answers, but they will ask with you. And cry out to the Lord, just like the psalm writer is doing, seeking God for answer, asking God to show up and answer the questions, the longings in your heart, because God alone can answer those things. You know, when Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing, right? You know, in my personal experience, if my prayer is only filled in praising God, I cannot follow this command. Right? There are so many times where you do not want to praise God. But there are more times where I want to question God. There are more times where I want to ask, God, why? 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 Or why can I have this? Or why is this happening to me? Why am, I, why am I experiencing this? If those are the prayers that I'm allowed to pray, then I could definitely follow 1 Thessalonians 5.17 saying pray without ceasing. 
And I believe that is how God is leading us to say, Come, all who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. So when you come in your anguish, in your prayer, in your desire to seek the Lord, God invites you to come with all the questions, doubts you have as he answers our soul, longest, uh, longings in our hearts. You know, my son is in the stage of why. And you know that, right? Many of you who raise children, um, or if you volunteer, by the way, plug to volunteer at our nursery and our children's ministry, you will learn this right away, right? You have this great theological lesson you want to teach, and they'll ask you, why is that the case? And then you answer that question, and they say, why is that the case? And the why just never stop. The other day, I asked him about, he asked me about how Wi-Fi works. Try to explain it in my limited knowledge, which I turned to Google, and then Googled it for the hundredth time, and it's like, Why? And I was like, I have no idea. Once you find out, you let me know too. It's, why? Why don't you know? As a father, you should know. And I don't know. Let's ask Google. Why? Why? It does not stop. But you know, we love it. Why? I'm asking why, right? Because whys help you to grow. We love that he's curious. We love that he's exploring. We love that hopefully the whys will lead to a nice paying job and a return on investment. <laughs> right? We love whys because it presents for us growth in the process. And church, if that's my heart, a flawed, sinful father's heart, how much more our heavenly father who knows all things, knows what's best for you, will want you to come and ask why. Not to anyone else, but to him, right? Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus our Lord. Don't you love that? It's not saying I'll give you all the answers in the world, but as you come and seek me, the peace of God will guard your heart. Isn't that what we want more than anything else? Sometimes we don't want to know the answer, but what we want is the peace of God that comforts our hearts. And that's where God invites us. And that's what we find in verse 5, 11, chapter 43, 11, we find this question, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. The grief, the question of why becomes the hope of why. Because the steadfast love, the everlasting rock, the salvation of my God can be trusted. So the question of grief and sorrow can have the hope of grief and sorrow. The final stage as we come to the stages of grief and sorrow is not only the tears, the questions, but the confidence that you and I could find in grief and hope as we go through grief and sorrow. Now we come to Psalm 43, church, and we're led to sing a song, a prayer of vindication in response to the tears and questions as we cry out to God to vindicate Declare him innocent, as some writer says, and defend the, the cause. And what two things do we find in his prayer? We find the confidence in the grief and the confidence of hope. And that's what he says, verse 1, Declare me innocent, O God. Defend me against the ungodly people. Rescue me from this unjust liars, for you are God, my only safe haven. Confidence. Why have you tossed me aside? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Send out your light and your truth, let them guide me. Hope. Let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live. 
There I will go to the altar of God, confidence to come before the Lord. To God, the source of all my joy, I will praise you with my heart. My God, oh my God, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Here the psalm writer asked God to deliver him and bring him back. He asked for the circumstances to change, of course, but he not only simply asked God to change the circumstances, but for him to show up. And as he prays this prayer, what we see in verse 3, the prayer of deliverance is prayed to the Lord. But as he prays this prayer, we see that he's crying out that God will send out the light and the truth to guide him and to lead him to the holy mountain where God lives. So as he asks for the circumstances to come and change, what he finds is he longs for God's presence in the midst of it all. As he longs for the circumstances to change, church, in his prayer what we find is this longing for the heart of the Lord, the presence of God, the communion of God. So his heart for the circumstances of change also is coupled in with desire to be with the Lord. Based upon this, Old Testament scholar Derek Kinder points out in his prayer, you see that he not only seeks deliverance, but he also learns in his prayer that he can enjoy the very blessing of God right where he is. Even in the circumstances and situation that he is in, he can have confidence. Homeward bound or not, circumstantial differences or not, he can praise God because God is his salvation. As Kinder says, outwardly nothing has changed, but he has won through and through. So what he finds is his longing to be in the house of the Lord. As he cries out to the Lord, he realizes that God is there, and where he is is the house of the Lord. And he recites to himself again and again and again, why am I discouraged? God is here with me. Why am I in sorrow? God is here with me. In the grief of tears and sorrow, he says, why am I discouraged? In the questions of grief and sorrow, he says, why am I discouraged? And finally, when he realizes that God has been with him all this time, he says, why am I discouraged? I am going to place my absolute faith and trust in the Lord, who has been always been with me. Church, the question for us we have to linger with is the very definition of hope. Is our hope only tied to circumstantial changes? Or is our hope tied to the presence of Christ, presence of God in the midst of the challenges that you and I are in? You know what defines Christianity? It is not defined by all these joys, the happiness, all the stuff that you're going to get. Christianity is not defined, definitely not by political position, definitely not by making this nation into a Christian nation, never defined by those things. Rather, Christianity is defined by presence of God, communion with God. If you're a Christ follower, you must be in communion, fellowship with God. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. Not that you have power and influence, joyous times, but that you are with God no matter what. 
John Owen, a theologian, writes, the greatest sorrows and burdens you can lay on the Father God. And he goes on to say, as a means of retaining communion with God, whereby we sweetly ease our hearts in the bosom of our Father and receive in, ref- uh, receive in refreshing taste of his love. So in the process of tears questioning, we find what we're looking for. Communion, sweet fellowship, love of God who walks with us through the valleys. He has always been there, always following from the top of the mountains to the valleys of the shadow of death. What can separate us from the love of our God? Church, that is the true hope of Christ's followers. That is picture of what it means to lament. Tears, questions, but hope of God's presence dwelling with God's people again and again and again that will never be broken. Final song I want to introduce to us is an age-old hymn called It Is Well With My Soul. It Is Well With My Soul. It is written by Horatio Spafford. Many of us love the song, but the context of the song is heartbreaking but uplifting. The hymn was written after two major traumas in the author's life. The first was the Great Chicago Fire of 1871, which basically ruined his financial well-being. Shortly after that, if that was not enough, in seeking to get out of the financial ruin, while crossing the Atlantic, he was not able to go, so he sends his family. And this ship that was carrying his family runs into another ship, and it sinks. All four of Spafford's daughters die. And his wife Anna survived and sent him this now famous telegram, Saved Alone. Several weeks later, as Spafford's own ship passes near the spot, very spot, where his daughters died on his way to reunite with his grieving wife, the Holy Spirit inspires these words, and he writes these lyrics. Let me read them to you. When a peace like river attaineth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trial should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ, yes, he has, has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. My sin, O bliss of the glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, every bit, every bit, all of it, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trumpet shall sound, resound, and the Lord shall descend, even so, it is well with my soul. It is well 
it is well with my soul. Church, it is not well because I am this great saint or you are this great saint. It is well because our God is with us. It's not easy. I get that. To go through tears, questions, and confidence overnight. It's never meant to be like that. That's why we sing this song together. Do you know that? That's why it's absolutely vital as a church we gather and lift one another up, sing this song, recite this song, remind one another of this song together in gathering like this by speaking to one another, by being there for one another, by listening to one another. We need one another. It is not just one-off service of lament, but a lifestyle of lament, of learning to hear one another to remind one another, saying, why are we discouraged? Why is our heart so sad? We will put our hope in God. We will praise Him again, our Savior and our God. Amen? Let's pray. Let's pray, church, and let's pray that to the Lord, saying, God, that is our prayer. As we come in the season of lament for many of us, to say, Lord, Lord, Come. Father, that's our prayer. Lord, apart from you, we find no hope. Apart from your grace in our lives, we find no, no future. Lord, we long for you to come in the seasons like we're in. Lord, we long for God of the universe to return, to wipe away every tear. God of justice to come and show justice. God of righteousness to come and declare us righteousness. God of victory to come and declare us victors because we are with our Savior. Father, teach us to lament. Teach us to shed our tears. Teach us to ask questions to come to you. But teach us also to find confidence in our Savior to declare with the fellow saints the crowd of witnesses that cry out, it is well it is well with our soul. May that be true of us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.